Ladies and gentlemen, I am thankful that Jesus Christ loved me so much that He became the propitiation for my sins and for the sins of all those who will call upon Him. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4 say, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. You see, my friends, it was always, always, always the plan of God to give us His mercy and His grace through His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. It was always, always, always the plan to give us eternal life, to deliver us from our sin and to redeem us unto Himself. Hebrews 9, verses 27 and 28 say, As it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this to judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, but unto them that look for Him shall He appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Jesus Christ died for sin. But He did not die for His own sin. He died for the sins of all of us. He died for us so that we can call on Him. So that we can know that we have hope beyond this life. So that we can know that there is a better place waiting for us. The trials and the tribulations, the struggles of this world are as life is. They are a vapor here today and gone tomorrow. But faith in Jesus Christ and His gift of His life, His yoke upon us, is eternal and will never be taken from us. Romans 6 verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. Because we are sinners, we will die. We will shed these mortal bodies and we will leave this realm of existence and go into the realm that is true to the real place to our real home which is more real than anything we will ever see here it says for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord we will receive that eternal life if you trust in Jesus Christ for that eternal life second Peter verse Chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That all should turn away from our ideas and what we think life should be and turn towards the, the pureness, the holiness, the righteousness that is Jesus Christ to trust Him and to receive Him, accept Him into ourselves so that we may be sealed by His Holy Spirit, by that Comforter. Romans 10 verse 13 seals the deal. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't say whosoever uh, call, will call upon the name of the Lord might be saved. It doesn't say that you could be saved. It doesn't say if you do enough good works or you're holy and righteous enough within yourself, you, you, you'll be saved. It says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. My friends, trust that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, that He rose again on the third day. And then ask Him to forgive you for your sins and to give you His eternal life. This I pray for each and every one of us. God bless.
back to Running Waters Podcast, where we're taking the gospel and teachings of Christ to the world. Today is Friday, January 28, 2022, and I'm your host, Kevin Rimlinger. As always, I am so thankful that you've taken time out of your busy schedule to hear what I have gleaned from God's Holy Word. Today we're going to continue our session and season of Ephesians, and I apologize that I haven't uploaded anything in a couple weeks. There was... Um, some stuff going on. I had COVID and uh, it kind of got rough. But I'm thankful that I'm back. I'm thankful that the Lord healed me and we're going to get back into this and get caught up, Lord willing. Our topic for today is going to be the will of the Lord. The will of the Lord. And this is really important for all of us to understand because if we want to glorify God with our, with our lives, if we want to truly prove to Him that we love Him, and we want people to see Him inside of us, then we have to know what He wants from us and for us in our lives. So today we're going to start with Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to be going through verses 1 through 9. And let's go ahead and read those real quick. Chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He hath purposed in Himself. That was Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through Nine. Matthew chapter 6. Let's look at that for just a second. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10. Some good understanding here. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth, as it is in heaven. Now we know this is the Lord's prayer that we're talking, that we're reading close to the middle of here. This is the Lord's prayer. And in the middle of the Lord's prayer, it says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Now, if you're going to follow along in your Bible, I hope that you will. I'm using the King James Bible, and that's the only Bible that I will use. I will not use another Bible to explain this Bible. This Bible has all the information that we need in it, precept upon precept, line upon line. I'm going to turn over to Matthew chapter 1, I'm sorry, Psalm chapter 143 and verse 10. Psalm 143 and verse 10. The Word of God says, Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land 
of uprightness. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Teach me to do thy will. Whose will is that? That's the will of the Lord. And that is what we want in our lives. We want His will to be done inside of us. I hope that you do. And I know that I do. A lot of scripture here in the beginning. We're going to read a lot of scripture here in the beginning. But I promise there is a lot of information. We're just going to see what we can get out of this. John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verse 38. John chapter 6 and verse 38. Starting in verse 38. And we're going to go through 40. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Thank God that we have a Savior that doesn't just save us and let us go, but is going to keep all of His promise, promises. And the last promise that He's going to do is give us that eternal life. And what is that? When He raises us up at the last day. Now I thank God that I was given that eternal life 10 years ago when I got saved in the jail cell in Georgia. But it will be finally done, finished. The work will be finished, if you can say it that way, when Christ raises us up at the last day. And that's a good segue into point number one. Number one is He wants us to be accepted in the Beloved. Turn back over to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. And we'll read that again. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved, thank God, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, praise the Lord, according to the riches of His glory. Now first, I want us to understand, who is the Beloved? Now it's easy to say, I can say it's Jesus Christ and I'll be right. It's really simple, it's really easy just to say that. But because I want you and I to have Scripture for every single thing that I say, let's turn over to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. I want us to see from the Word of God who this Beloved is. Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. The Word of God says, starting in verse 16, And Jesus, when He was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto Him. And He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon Him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my Beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So the short answer is Jesus Christ. He is the Beloved. He is the Beloved of the Father. And I think this would be a good time to point out something that many people argue about. This idea of the Trinity. Some people think it's not true. Others think it is. And I believe we have right before our eyes the, fact, the facts of this debate. Jesus was baptized... The Spirit descended, and the God, the Father, spoke from heaven, 
It's all there. Jesus was baptized, the Spirit descended as a dove and lighted upon him, and God the Father spoke from heaven. So, and there's many other verses. And uh, in the future, in the near future, maybe even through this Ephesians study, we'll get into the Trinity uh, doctrine, and we'll prove that once and for all. But that's not for today. That's another story. That's another message for another time. Turn over to Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have uh, done many wonderful works? And I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Notice the ways that we are not accepted in the beloved. We cannot cast out evil spirits and be accepted in the beloved. We cannot heal the sick so that we can be accepted in the Beloved. We cannot do many wonderful works so that we can be accepted in the Beloved. We cannot do any of these things and expect entry into the presence of the Lord our God. It's just not possible. The works that we do here on earth will never get us any closer to eternity with Jesus Christ. So how are we granted entry into the place that the Beloved is? How do we become accepted? In that beloved. It's through the blood of the beloved. It is through the blood of Jesus Christ, through his death and resurrection. It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again from the dead. It is through the belief in that amazing truth and the trust in him and his finished work on the cross and in this world that we are accepted in the beloved. Now let's go back to just to uh, verse 23, 21, I'm sorry, for just a second. Not everyone to say unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. In this case, what is the will of the Father? I mentioned it just a second ago. Ye must be born again. Turn over to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. This is speaking of the will of the Father. The number one will of the Father is this. John chapter 3. We'll start in verse 16. For God so loved the world. This is a very familiar scripture to most people. We'll start in 15. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What's the will of the Father? To believe in Jesus Christ. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. In verse 18, He that believeth on Him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. 
Now back up just a little bit to verse 5, another very uh, familiar scripture. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except the man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So that's the number one will of the Father. 2 Peter chapter 2, I'm sorry, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses Verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's not the will of the Lord that any should perish. And by that any, I mean whatever age you are, whatever color your skin may be, whatever language you speak, whatever sins you have committed in your life, no matter what is going on, if you're a human being, He is not willing that you should perish, meaning die and go to hell. He is willing that all should be born again. Like I said in John chapter 3, uh, verse 3, ye must be born again. That is the will of the Father. And that's why He is waiting. He's being patient with you. He's being patient. He was being patient with me. Thank God that he was patient with me at least till 10 years ago when he, when, when he took me as his own. And I trusted him to be my Lord and my Savior. Now because we're on the subject, I want to point this out. He's not slack concerning his promise. And what promise are we talking about here? Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. This is, this is important. I... One of the things that I want to do through this podcast is give assurance to those who have questions about various things in the Bible. I'll, I'll look at uh, things that people say are different in the Bible. I'll look at um, all the things that we need help with. And hopefully, uh, the Lord not returning, I will have time to help you and lead many to salvation. Okay, Matthew chapter 25, verse 13. Watch therefore, for you know not the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. You know not the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. Matthew 24, go back one chapter. Matthew 24, verse 44. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. In other words, my friends, we have to be careful in our thinking. We have to be careful in the way that we live our lives. We have to be careful in guarding our minds, understanding that the Lord is going to return. And when He returns, there will be many, many people who have taken it into their hearts and minds, who have uh, decided that He's not going to return. Or that there is no God in the first place, that there is no Savior, that there is no Holy Spirit, that this book that we have here is just that, a book written by man. When in fact, Christ is coming back. And He's going to call His home with Him. And then He's going to come back again, and when He comes back the second time, He is going to set up His kingdom on this earth for a thousand years, where He will reign as supreme with a rod of iron. Thank God 
for that beautiful time. And then at the very end, He will destroy this earth and create new heavens and a new earth. And from that point on, perfection will pursue. Do not get into the mindset. I know this life seems long. I know it seems like there are many things that go wrong in this life and it feels like God is not near us. But I know that He is. And if you're born again and you trust Him, then you will know also that He is. So let's move on, let's move on. 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verses 1 through 6. Some very good information here. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verses 1 through 6. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of truth, who will have all men to be saved, notice that, and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose again on the third day. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man. I'm sorry, between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Wherefore, whereunto I ordained a preacher, I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. That was actually 1 through 7. 1 Peter 2.15 says, For so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. There are those groups that believe you can only be saved based on the color of your skin. Which is strange if you ask me. There are those that believe you have to be of a certain nationality to be redeemed. There are those that believe you have to go to hell and pay for your sins before you can finally get to go to heaven. There are doctrines and doctrines from all around the world that call themselves Christian. They call themselves enlightened. Or they call themselves specially chosen. These verses though from the King James Bible are very simple and without need of any kind of interpretation outside of the Word of God. They give us all the information that we need to know about how to be saved, who can be saved, and how long you are saved. God gave His only begotten Son so that all men can be saved by the sacrifice that Christ became for all those that will call upon Him. Thank you, Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11-15 through 15. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from flesh, fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversations honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may be your good works, which they shall behold. Glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors, 
as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For this is the will of God, that with well-doing you may, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Thank God. Thank you, Lord, for your truth. Number two, we are to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Back to our text in Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to read verse 10. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 10. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Even in him. Thank God. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. I thought I had something I wanted to say there, but I don't want to say it yet. Let's go to Romans chapter 1 first. And we're going to turn to verse 16. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. The Word of God says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Let's read 17 as well. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So we're talking about sharing the gospel. And the number one thing that we have to understand, if we're going to share the gospel, we cannot be ashamed of that gospel. Not ashamed of the death of Christ. Not ashamed of the risen Christ. Not ashamed that it is Christ that saved me and hopefully has saved you. And all those that have been saved by Him. How is it that we show that we can show that we are not ashamed? We proclaim that gospel to every creature. We preach that gospel to the rich and we preach it to the middle class. And we preach it to the poor. We preach to brown people. We preach to red people. We preach to black people. We preach to white people. And we preach to every single color in between. We take it to the famous people in the heights of Beverly Hills. And we take it to those in the farthest reaches of the jungles and deserts. We take Christ to Capitol Hill. And we take it door to door. Why? Why do we do this? Because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone, to everyone that believeth. Not to the Jew, not to the Greek, but to all that believe. I want to reiterate this. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Very first book of the New Testament. Matthew Chapter 28. And we're going to be looking at verse 19. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son 
and of the Holy Ghost. And verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Thank God. Go ye therefore, teaching all nations. And I don't want to get off subject for too long. I've already taken up a little bit more time than I wanted to in the first couple of points. But I do want to point this out. Uh, the end of verse 19, it says, Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. For those that believe you have to be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, you're correct. For those that believe you have to be saved, uh, baptized in the name of Jesus, you're correct. And I say this because there are arguments between Christians. There are those that argue so vigorously and so unremorsefully about this particular doctrine that they are literally turning away lost people, unrealizing that lost people are seeing this argument and deciding, well, if Christians can't figure it out, why should I become one of those? The truth is, my friends, both of these are correct. Those people that are arguing one way or the other, they're taking one verse out of the Bible and they're deciding that that is the only verse on the subject. But, I do want to look at this. Let's look at Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Verse 38. Acts chapter 2 verse 38. That first verse that we just read a minute ago says, In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, tells us this. If I can turn to the right chapter. All right. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let's go to 37. Let's go to the verse before that, just so we can get a context of what we're talking about here. Now when they heard this... now. This is just after the disciples had received the Holy Ghost and they were out preaching and thousands were being saved. Thousands were listening. People from all around the world, Jews from all around the world were here and they were hearing the preaching of Jesus Christ, the preaching of the cross and they had preached this wonderful message and then in 37 it says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So, get saved, be baptized, either in the name of Jesus Christ or in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Either way, you're correct. That baptism does not save you. That baptism does not redeem you. That, that baptism does not make you born again. It's important because it shows that to the world that you have trusted in Jesus Christ and His death, resurrection. And you have been baptized with Him in that. So, moving on. Number three. Number three. It is the will of the Lord our Savior. To live a life that glorifies Him. Turn back over to Ephesians chapter 1. Turn back over to Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to read verse 
12. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 12 it says, That we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ. That we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Jesus Christ. Speaking of that verse, we'll turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 2 and 3. Let's start with verse 1. 1 through 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 2, uh, 1 through 3. Furthermore, then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. That ye should abstain from fornication. Verse 4, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Now, just in case you don't know the definition of the word sanctification, if you're like me, you go through words, you understand what they mean, but you have never read the definition, so you can't really get the full understanding of the word. So let's look at the definition. Sanctification. To set apart to a sacred purpose or a religious use. To free from sin, purify, to impart or impute sacredness, inviolability, or respect to. Now let's look at what it said in verse 4. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Now that's, that's a pretty interesting word that he puts there. Possess his vessel. What is the vessel? It is this body. This body is the vessel. It's the temple. It is what is to be sanctified while we're here in our mind, in our heart, in our body to do the will of the Lord and to refrain from doing our will, which is almost always sin against God. To possess this means to control ourselves, to control our thoughts, to control our desires. To control this flesh and the lust that it tries to make us go towards. This sanctification begins with the work of the Lord on the day of our salvation. We can only be sanctified because we are redeemed by the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. It can begin no other way. However, after we're saved, it's up to us to make a choice, or rather, many choices every day. It's up to us to say no to, those, to the destructiveness of the sins that we are tempted by. To say no to those things that so easily beset us. To say no to the devil and his minions. To say no to our own fleshly desires and lusts. And if we think about 
all the ways that we can and do fail our Lord, it doesn't take much for us to backslide into the person that we were once upon a time. Except, unfortunately, more miserable because we know the truth and are in it. God, however, has made a way for us to see our downfalls and to take them on one by one and to remain victorious. To remain victorious. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you can refrain from sin every single day for the rest of your life. I'm not going to tell you that you cannot refrain from sin every single day for the rest of your life. What I'm going to tell you is you have a choice every single time. Every single time you choose whether or not to sin against God. When temptations come into your life and you know that that thing that is tempting you is a sin and then you sin you decide to yield to that temptation. You made that choice to sin against God. And every single time a temptation has come into your life, every time a thought has come into your mind, and you have made the choice to deny the flesh and to seek the way that God has given you to get out of that temptation and to have his strength and His power in your weakness to turn away from that desire, that lust, that temptation, that fleshly poison. You have made the decision to not sin against God. Every single time that you make a decision, it is your decision. Thank God that He gives us the free will to make that decision. And we have to trust God to help us make the decision that proves to Him that we love Him and want to glorify Him with our lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Let's stop there for a second. There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. From day one, from all the way back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, the devil has had the same tricks. He has had the same lies. He has not changed the way He does things ever in the history of mankind all the way up to this very day. He does it all the same way. Why? He doesn't have to change it. Why stop doing what works? And that's what it's saying here. There hath no temptation taken you but such is common to man. But God, but God, but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. That ye may be able to bear it. Thank God. We don't have to worry about the temptation. As soon as the temptation comes into our lives, as soon as that thought 
comes into our mind, what do you do? You look for the way out. Every temptation comes with it, a way out of that temptation. Every thought that comes to the mind that is against God and His Word, God has given you a way to destroy that thought from your mind. At least for that moment. God is a very good God. He is a loving God. And because you are saved, and I hope that you are, the Holy Spirit living inside of you has given you the power to destroy that sin in your heart, in your mind, in your flesh. You do not have to sin against God. You can, you can, you can glorify God with your life. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verses 33 and 34. And this is one thing that we can do. This is something that we can do. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So what's one of the things that the devil helps us worry ourselves with? What's one of the things that our flesh does inside of us? To make us sin against our God. We start thinking about tomorrow. We start thinking about, how am I going to deal with this tomorrow? What, what am I going to do tomorrow when this situation happens or that situation happens? The Bible says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow, the evils of tomorrow, the things that are going to happen tomorrow, that's, that's tomorrow's problem. Today, we need to think about today. And how do we do that? We seek First, the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Now let's back up, because this last part says, and all these things shall be added unto you. What? What things are going to be added unto you? Go back to... Twenty-eight. Let's go to twenty-eight. Now let's go to twenty-seven. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment... Consider the lily of the valley, the lilies of the valleys, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Where if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Don't worry about tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. I know that in this world we have been trained to plan ahead. And there's nothing wrong with planning ahead. There's nothing wrong with working a 40-hour paycheck, a 40-hour work week, and planning on what we're going to do with that paycheck. 
What we're talking about here is worrying about tomorrow. Worrying about the future. Make your plans. I plan to go with some brothers from church and to witness and to preach the gospel in several different places around this country. I plan to go to work tonight. I plan to do uh, some ministry tomorrow. I plan to be at church tomorrow night. I plan to do a lot of things, and Lord willing, those plans will come to fruition for the glory of God. But I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to let the devil put doubt and fear in my mind about tomorrow. I'm going to uh, concentrate on today's problems today. And I'm not going to worry or doubt or fear the things of today either. I'm just going to trust God and glorify Him with my life to get through those things. What we need to understand is that just because we're saved, we are not freed from that youthful lust. Now we have that freedom available to us. And we're not freed from the temptations that this world and our flesh offers us. We're not suddenly so perfect and holy and sanctified that we cannot be tempted. This is a lie from the devil. So because we know that we're still in the flesh and we're still in the world, though we are not of either of those things, we can plan our reaction to the temptation. We just plan what we're going to do when we're tempted in this way or that way. Those sins that so easily beset us, we know that they're going to come back around to us and probably not very long from now. So we make sure that we know what we're going to do when that happens today. Seeking first the kingdom of God, seeking first the righteousness of God, if that is our goal, if it is our will that people see the power of the Lord working in us, then we will make sure that we turn our back on the world and the flesh and turn our eyes toward the way, the truth, and the life. What a lot of people forget is that He is not just the way to heaven. The truth that saves and the life that, we'll, that we will one day have he is all of that for us even now. It's already happened. The moment that you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that life, that way, that truth, that power, that eternity begins that moment. And it starts from the day you get saved and it lasts throughout eternity for the glory of God. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Verses 15 through 17. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is is another word that I want to make sure we understand the meaning of circumspectly what does that word mean this is a beautiful word I, I didn't know actually what the meaning of it was I read it and I thought it was something I was completely wrong circumspectly careful to consider all circumstances and possible 
consequences. So when that, when we, we talked about this a little bit already, so I'm not going to delve into it a whole lot right now. Temptation is coming into our lives. Something's happening. I don't know what your besetting sin is. For some it's fornication, for some it's adultery, for some it's idolatry, for some it's drinking, smoking, for some it's cussing, for some it's uh, slackness or slothfulness, for some it's um, whatever the case may be, there is always going to be something in your life that is going to try to cause you to turn away from God and towards your own desires and your own mind. If we're thinking circumspectly, meaning we're going to consider all circumstances and possible consequences of that sin, then we can understand that every single time we sin, it hurts God. Think about that. God, who loved us so much that He sent His only begotten Son to die on the cross for our sins. Jesus Christ, who came to earth and died for our sins. Why did He have to die? Why did He have to be beaten? Why did He have to have His beard plucked from His face? Why did He have to have that cat of nine tails uh, in His skin, uh, ripping the flesh away from Him? Why did we have to... Why did he have to walk carrying his cross with his bones showing? Why was that crown of thorns placed on his head? And why were those spikes uh, beaten through his wrist and his feet? Because of us. Because of our sin. He had no sin. He was perfect. Literally the one perfect human being that has ever lived. And when he died, it wasn't because of his sin. It was because he took our sin upon him. So what do we do with that? What do we do with that? We live circumspectly. Not wanting to cause our Father in heaven. Not wanting to cause our Savior. Not wanting to cause the Holy Spirit, the Godhead, any more pain. We want them to be pleased with who we are becoming. We want them to be pleased with the decisions that we make. We want them to be pleased with the life that we are living. We want them to be pleased with the way that we glorify them with our lives. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. A couple of my very favorite verses from the Word of God. Romans 12. Verses 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is going to sound like a strange thing to hear. And this will be our final point, or this will be the end of our final point for today. This is uh, going a little bit longer than I expected, but that's okay. We'll do part two of this uh, next Friday. But this is going to sound like a strange thing to hear. But I believe if you think about it, you'll agree. It is easier to die for Christ than it is to live for Christ. Why is that true, do you wonder? Why is that true? 
to die for the Lord, what do you have to do? You die. Trusting in the Lord. Somebody comes to you, let's say you live in a foreign country, or worse comes to worse in America, and Christians are put to death for their faith in Christ, or tortured for their faith in Christ, or both. Even through the torture, and finally the death, even if it lasts a week or two, to die for Christ is pretty simple thing. It ends and it's done and you get to be with Christ in heaven. The Bible says to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. Right? To go out as a martyr, as it were. It only takes a minute. But to live, to be a living sacrifice, to die to self and to live your life in the Word of God by the Word of God, seeking that when we get to heaven, Christ Himself will say, Well done, good and faithful servant. To hear God, to hear Jesus Christ look at me and say, Christian. <laughs> How amazing would that be? But it takes a lifetime. However long your life is, that's how long it will take. You have to daily die to self. Hourly, minutely, secondly, die to who you are and live to Christ. And we'll finish up with this for today. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter 1, verses 13 through 16. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust and your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. God is holy. God is set apart. God is perfect. God is everything that we could possibly need and hope to obtain to in this life. Jesus Christ lived in this world for 33 and a half years. He never sinned, not one time. That means he never hated anyone. That means he never committed fornication, not even in his mind. He never committed adultery. He never looked upon a woman and lusted after her. He was God in the flesh. 
And he never considered himself better than anyone he ever met. He never bragged. His pride never rose up in him. Throughout his entire life, he was righteous and holy and perfect and sanctified. And he lived a life perfectly circumspectly. And he did that for one reason. One amazing and wonderful reason. Because he loved me. Because he loved you. And because by living that life in this world, And dying for our sins, he became that lamb who was slain, that perfect lamb. He became that perfect sacrifice. My friends, I hope that you are saved. If you're not, my prayer for you is that you will trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He died on the cross for your sins. And he rose again on the third day. And all that you have to do to be saved is just trust that work that He did and ask Him to forgive you for your sins. Heavenly Father, I thank You so much that You have given us this Word, that You have given us Your will, that You have given us Your mind. I thank You for helping me to understand all these things, Lord God, and I pray that I have done You justice, that I have done well in teaching and preaching today. I pray that this will be a blessing to those who watch this on YouTube or, or listen to it on the podcast, Lord God. I thank you and I praise you just for being so good to me and to all of us, for saving my soul and the souls of all those who have been redeemed by you. And I pray if anybody's watching this and they never trusted you as their Lord and their Savior, Lord God, that they'll call on you before I finish speaking. And I'll trust you as their Lord. And one day we can worship you face to face in heaven. I thank you, Lord. I praise you and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this episode from Running Waters Podcast. All episodes are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Twitter, and my Running Waters Podcast Facebook. On my Facebook, you can click on the link for any of these platforms and it will take you directly to the one that you enjoy listening to the most. Please don't forget to follow and share. We want the teachings, book readings, and interviews to get out to the world so they can be encouraged as I have from learning the mind of Christ and sharing him with all those who want to know him. Thank you again for listening. Thank you again for following, and thank you again for sharing. God bless.